It's good to see you guys here this morning. I'm Pastor Tim Rogers, and I, uh, I welcome you to, uh, to GPC. And my hope, as in every week, is that when you're here, you have a view of God that you didn't have when you weren't here, that your time with us will be spent lifting our eyes together toward our great God, our sovereign King, our great Redeemer, our Savior, um, Lord of all. Excellent time leading us into worship, guys. Thank you for that. Hey, this morning we're, we're kicking off, or we're, we're starting into um, the second part of our series called Just Did It, um, a study on the book of Romans, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, as we get into that, I, I, want you to, I want to tell you about my week um, that was, in our family, you, you've probably experienced this this week, I know some of you have, we had a strep throat week this week. And many of you have had that and been through that, and that strep throat kind of comes and goes through you, and I don't know what it is that makes that happen, but it really knocks you down. The bad part for me in particular was this, that it made me, put me in a position I wasn't comfortable in, not only um, doing some things around the house I don't normally do, and that other people aren't as comfortable that I'm doing, uh, that I I have to do, Um, but it also put me in Wise uh, Supermarket. uh, somewhere around Monday afternoon, I think, or Tuesday morning, I don't know, with a shopping list. And it was a little awkward, and it was a little off of my normal deal. And there was a little bit of stress in my life, because I, had, I needed to keep moving. The day was going, we had to get kids places, I needed to get places, and so I didn't have a lot of time. And then I had a shopping list, and my shopping list consisted of a massive amount of things. I had to get four things at Wise, right? And, and one, one I was confident about, and the others, I'm like, how hard could this really be? And I needed to get a 9 by 13 pan, I needed to get some pre-cooked chicken, and I needed to get some Alfredo sauce, right? And then I needed to get eggs. I was fine with the eggs. The eggs, I mean, what could go wrong there? So I get to the 9 by 13 pan, and I'm like, okay, how hard can really, how hard can any of that be, right? 9 by 13, okay, do you want a, a 2 inch 9 by 13 deep pan or a 4 inch 9 by 13 pan? Then do you want a 2 inch, 4 inch lid or no lid pan? Like, really? I just want a 9 by 13 aluminum, kind of give it to somebody, they can have a meal and they don't give it back kind of pan. I don't know, do we want a 2 inch, 4 inch or lid? I don't know, lid, lid, 2 inch, 4 inch. I don't want to get the wrong one. This one's $4 more than that one. I, what do I, I don't know what I want to get. Alfredo sauce, Alfredo sauce. Um, just get the right amount, the right amount. Get, it's a normal size. It's a normal size. Well, all the Alfredo sauces are smaller than the spaghetti sauces. Did you ever notice that? So I'm thinking spaghetti normal, Alfredo not normal. So if that's not normal, maybe I should get two of the Alfredo to make up for one of the spaghetti. Am I two of it now? But only two. But a four-inch pan, only two of those. That's not going to... Two-inch pan, three of those. I don't know if that's... And I end up calling home. I call home. I got like three things to get, and I'm making a phone call. I'm the guy in the store who can't figure out what to get. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And we just get put in these situations. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I need to get, get chicken, pre-cooked chicken, like it's Tyson or whatever. And oh, how much? That bag looks really small. No, that'll be fine. That bag's fine. That bag? Four-inch pan? Really? That bag? So I'm just I'm like stressed, awkward, awkward moment, right? And, and we have these moments, and now they've apparently, this phrase has apparently become kind of, culturally relevant now, we will we'll see um, in sitcoms or movies, you know, awkward. You know, those kind of moments we try to avoid, don't we? I mean, I, I've been there, I can't tell you how many times. Awkward moment in Wise Markets. Awkward moment a couple uh, months ago. I'm sitting down at, at a breakfast at Burnham Restaurant, and, and I asked for the jelly to be passed to me, and just in the spirit of making dumb conversation, which I can be good at doing, I notice as the jelly comes to me, it's in, a, you know, four little containers are holding the jelly, and there's, there's, at Burden Hand, there's strawberry, grape, mixed fruit, and 
Orange marmalade. Right? Who uses orange marmalade? It's always full, right? And yeah, some of you are waving your hand. Some of you actually were there. And so I make that dumb comment at that time. I, like, can you pass the jelly? And there's always orange marmalade. So I just like, hey, whoever uses orange marmalade? And as I'm saying that, the guy's reaching for the orange marmalade next to me. I'm like, yeah. Awkward moment. And, and, you know, some of you have experienced the old asking a woman when she's due. And I'm not is the answer. And you know, I've wished um, people are not moms happy Mother's Day before. I mean, it, it, there's just things that we do that are really kind of off, make us kind of go off, and oh, wow, that, I feel off of what I should be doing. And here's the deal for all of us. We always are trying to avoid those situations, right? I mean, none of us ever want to be in a situation like that. We'll do anything we can to kind of mm, just kind of keep the stability and kind of settle in and, and not be awkward and know what to say and when to say it. In fact, this happens from little on up. You know, if you're in, in elementary school, you would rather be picked first for kickball than last, right? It's, it's awkward to be the last kid. You'd rather be, not be the one being picked on in the halls than the one being picked on. You'd rather be on the honor roll than not in the honor roll. You know, you get into teenage life. You'd rather be the one who makes the team than the one who gets cut from the team. You'd rather be the one who makes the, the chorus and the, um, the play part that you wanted than the one who, who doesn't. You'd rather pass your driver's test the first time than the fourth time, right? You'd rather date Prince Charming than the frog, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the way it works. There's things that we'd rather do. Young adults are kind of the same way. You'd rather... You'd rather, if you had your druthers, would rather not be sleeping in the same bed you slept in when you were two, right? Then you'd get rid of those matchbox sheets and the Superman stuff and a time to move on and move up in the world. I'd rather not be doing that. That's kind of, mm, I'd, I'd prefer something else instead. You know, uh, young marrieds now who are beginning to have kids. You'd rather have kids who are not the biting and chewing and kicking kind in the nursery. I mean, you know that those kids exist, but you don't ever want to be your kids. And I'd rather have something different. You know, those who are um, empty nesters now, you, you would rather have grandkids than more kids, right? Yeah? Two of you would rather have grandkids than more kids. And you're looking to say, man, I would rather, I would rather have, I'd rather see my kids grow up and be fulfilled than have my own life be the center of attention anymore. You're four years at the next generation. Sunset years, you're doing the same thing. You're saying, man, I would rather, I would rather, I would rather see this next generation grow and take leadership and move in places that I never could have before. And I would rather, if I had my druthers, feel appreciated rather than kind of kick to the curb at the end of life and feel like my life investment really mattered. And for all of us at different stages of life, there's things that we'd rather have uh, happen around us. And so here's what we do. We all are pursuing, like I talked about last week, we're all pursuing a, a layer of peace with myself, with you, with other people, and with God. At every stage of life, at every stage of life, there are, there are things that we do constantly in which we are constantly pursuing peace with one another, peace with ourselves, and peace with God. And what we tend to do is we tend to line up our life, we tend to work toward the things that we really want peace with. We tend to work toward the right kind of financial package that we want to have in our job. If I want to make that much money, I need to go to this kind of school. I need to live in this part of the country. If I want to 
have this kind of marriage. I need to be this kind of person and marry kind of that kind of person. I want to move in that direction. If I want to raise kids like that, here's how I'm going to orient my life around that. If I want to develop skills in this hobby like that, here's what I need to do to move in that direction. And in every area of life, we're constantly pursuing peace and stability with one another, with God and with ourselves. And in order to get there, we work toward those accomplishments. We will orient our life toward working toward a better job, another home, another car, more greater reputation, greater uh, you know, affirmation from people around us. This is what we do. But here's the thing. I'd like to go with you just for a moment to fast forward your life to the end of your life. The time comes for you to be, if you happen to be buried here, uh, if you're a visitor, you're welcome to be buried here, just so you know that. If you happen to be in the casket and get kind of rolled down this aisle, and you're up here, we have a service for you in, in memory of your life. And I begin, or Joel begins, or maybe someone who's two years old right now in the nursery and kicking somebody is going to be the pastor, and they're going to begin, right? Um, and they're going to talk about your life. And they're going to say, man, we are so thankful to have had you or me in our world because, you know what, they worked so hard to make a good life for themselves. They constantly were working to make just enough money for their family. You know what, they even had a vacation home. And you know what, they always provided things for their family. And you know what, they were just hard workers, and we're so grateful for that legacy that they left for us, that they were constantly working hard at their life. Or, would you rather, we're so thankful that you left a legacy for this next generation of faith. They were a person like Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about, they were confident of things that they hoped for. They were certain of things they couldn't see. When everybody else was working, 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 working to get somewhere, they were people who led with faith and trust in God. They gave up some things that other people were working, 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 working for, gave up because they knew, they knew the most important thing is how they lead their life by leading it into faith. Because they know that the amount of faith they have reveals to the world the kind of God that they have. If you could have the choice, right? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And, and if... If, if we're thinking clearly, I don't know if there's anybody in here or listening later online who, who would say, you know what, I'd really rather kind of be the working legacy. That just makes sense. To me, that would be good enough for me. I don't know if anybody who wouldn't say, you know what, this is what I want. I want to be the man and the woman who, at the end of their life, they look back at me, my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, my family, they look at me and they say, you were a man and a woman of incredible faith in God that that becomes your indelible mark that you have made in the places where you have been planted. And yet, isn't it interesting, as much as we might want that, that we spend the majority of our lives, without even thinking about it, working to build some layer of peace 
and stability with one another. I spend my life working to create a world in which I can control a level of peace so I don't have awkward moments where I can say, yeah, I've built something for my family and I've created something for my future husband or wife and I've worked toward this end, I've worked toward this end, I've worked toward this end, but isn't it ironic at the end of life, we don't want people to say that about us at our funeral. We want people to say, this was a man and this was a woman of incredible works, no faith. Yes. And here's what we see as as. Paul is going to kind of give to us this this perspective from God this morning in the book of Romans. Essentially, what we're going to see is this point right here. And that is that the more, when people know more about my faith than my works, they know more about my God than me. See, when people know more about my faith than my works, they know, they will know more about my God than me. And the ironic thing is, by default, all of us are going to spend without even thinking about it, so much of our energy is thinking about how can I get ahead here? How can I move there? How can I kind of get just a little further ahead, maybe date somebody differently, make a little more money, put a little bit more aside, kind of plan the retirement thing, get a little healthier so I can, so I can, so I can, so I can. And at the end of the day, what we really want is a layer of peace and fulfillment and righteousness with God that will never come from the things that we just most naturally step into. And Paul knows this, and God knows this about us. And this is part of why Romans 1 is written. This is part of why, when Paul is writing to Romans, the the church at Rome, in which he has not yet personally met, he writes to them the way he writes to them this morning that we're going to see. He introduces this concept to them about what is most important and why it's most important. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 1. Verses 8 to 17 will be our text this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's not a problem. There's one near you in your pew. Uh, You can grab that. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you this morning. You can have that and take that with you. Read that. uh, Engage in that. that. Um, The book of Romans is about the sixth book. Not about. It is the sixth book in the New Testament. So you flip over to about the back third of your Bible. You'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. That's page 911 in your new Bible there, and page 1090 in an older style Bible. But page 911 or page 1090, you'll find Romans chapter 1. And we know, because we know about the church in Rome this, that they, Paul had not visited them. They're kind of fighting amongst themselves about who should be in charge in leadership. And Paul is kind of giving them a perspective on what is most important. And it begins... In verse 8. And as we read this this morning, I want to do an interesting thing with you, okay? I'd like your help in reading. I'm reading from the NIV 1984 edition. Some of you who are electronic reading this morning on your phones or your iPads um, are going to have NIV 2011. There may be some word differences. We're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. I don't know the answer to that one quite yet. But I'm doing NIV 84. Uh, And here's what I would like. Those on my right side, so this group right here, this whole section of people here, whenever in, in the reading here you see the word faith, I want you to say, faith. Let's practice that one just for fun. Ready? Awesome. See? A little louder, it would be even better. But that was good. Good start. Over here, I want this group of people, whenever you see the word gospel, to say faith. No, I'm just going to say gospel. All right, let's do that one together. Ready? One, two, three. Gospel. Good. They're louder than the faith people. All right? 
Now, that's what we're going to do, all right? And then together, 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 at the end, in verse 17 in particular, just a heads up, warning sign, this one is coming. Together, what I would like you to do, when you see the word righteous or righteousness, I'd like everybody to say or speak righteous or righteousness. It'll show up in verse 17, okay? So these guys, faith people, gospel people, together we're righteousness people, all right? Here we go. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because you're is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching of His Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I've had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the a righteousness from God is revealed. A that is by from first to last, just as it is written, the will live by Great. Good stuff, guys. You see the pattern here. This section is all about faith, the gospel, and righteousness. And Paul leads into it in verse 8, and he's saying, to, he's saying to the people in Rome, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your, let's do it, faith people, because your, your faith is being reported all over the world. Isn't that interesting? Of all the things that the church in Rome is known for, Paul leads into and says, listen, you guys lead into your impression that is made upon the rest of the world is that you are faith people. So so how do we get there? How do we get there that at the end of life, people are going to say about you and me, that's a faith person. It's being made known throughout all the world. And Paul has this desire to come. You see it in the text there. He wants to come. He's with his whole heart serving God. He wants to be there with the Romans. And he wasn't allowed to. It didn't work out. Timing wasn't right until now. And he's he's ready to kind of come to see them. And he says in verse 14, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non Greeks, the wise and the foolish, that is, everyone. I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. And then he says in verses 16 and 17, in verses 16 and 17, if you've never memorized these or or studied these verses, these verses are so profoundly important for us in our faith. These verses um, can, can so unlock for you a hope and a freedom and a grace that exists, that truly exists within your relationship with God. These verses are the, the, the linchpin, they're the, the kingpin, they're the hinge upon which all of Romans unfolds, and truly upon which all of our salvation unfolds in verses 16 and 17. And he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Great, Paul, but I don't know what, why that is. Why are you not ashamed, Paul, of the gospel? And he says, here's, here's why. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who, what? believes. It's the power of God. We're going to go slow here. It's the the power of God for the salvation of everyone who works for it, right? Everyone who believes. 
In other words, without the power of God coming, and this is the word dunamis in the Greek, or dynamite, we translate it in the English, that kind of organized power that comes by blowing here and not there and kind of getting what you want, is the power of God for salvation. Why is the power of God necessary? Because the reality is, and you feel this and you know this, we are lost without God's power to free us from the power of sin. We are totally enslaved. We are totally chained. We're bound to a future without God. We cannot get ourselves out of the power of our own sin. We cannot do it. We're just stuck within it. And we can kind of scratch and claw our way out of it, but it's not enough. And you and I, we both know that. We know that about ourselves. If other people, if we could take your thoughts this week and project them on the screen right now, you would want to leave, wouldn't you? I don't even want to see the rest of y'all for the rest of my life. It's embarrassing some of the things that we even think about. And our, our, our inner lives, we cannot control our future in the sense we need the help and the power of God to free us from the bonds of sin and death. And so to understand that is the beginning point. I'm not ashamed, Paul says. Why? What else do you have? If this is the only thing that can free you and free me from a, a, a future that is going to be locked in by my sin, I'm not going to be ashamed to tell you about it. I'm not going to be ashamed to show it to you. That God's power in the gospel is what frees us to salvation for those who believe. And then, okay, Paul, well, how does this work? And here's where verse 17 comes in. Here's the how. How does this work, Paul? He says this, For in the gospel... A, and then what's that word? A, righteousness. Let's, that was kind of weak. Let's do it again. In the gospel, a what? Thanks. A righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from, what's the next phrase? From first to last. That section alone, right there, right there, that verse 17 alone, that thing alone, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And here's the thing, guys. In every stage of life, we're always looking to say, how can I get peace with this? I want to get peace with my kids and my future and my family and my money and my health and this and that. I don't want any awkward moments. I just kind of want it to all kind of work out. I want this, here's the word, I want this righteousness. We don't ever use that word in normal language, but this is what it means, that right standing. That everything is okay. I want that right standing. I want people to like me. I want to know if God likes me, if I'm acceptable to him. I want to know that at the end of the day, I'm comfortable with who I am. I want this righteousness. And here's what Paul's saying to the Romans and to us. In the gospel, a righteousness from God from the only one who has the power to save us, that righteousness is revealed. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all the things that I'm pursuing to kind of get peace and comfort and stability in my life, the things I work for, I'm going to try to get that college education, I'm going to try to work extra hours at the job, get the boss to like me to make more money, I'm going to try to raise kids this way and face my end-of-life stuff this way, and I'm going to be sick this way, and I hope this way, and raise kids that way, and all the things that I'm going to try to organize so that people like me, and I like me, and God might like me, all those things are like filthy rags before a holy God. And Paul says, for the gospel reveals to you a righteousness 
that you could never have on your own. And that righteousness is by what? Faith. Not by works. It is by faith from first to last. From first to last. In other words, you and I contribute nothing. From first to last. This righteousness that you and I want, we want, we want, we want, has come, has been revealed. And it comes not by what I do, but by who I believe. And it's from first to last. In other words, for all of my failings, and here's the power of this, for all the times when I look in the mirror at the end of the day or I wake up or I'm going to bed at night and I'm just thinking about the ways that I've failed this day, and for all the times you're disappointed in yourself and you think, I'm going to try harder next time. I'm not going to fall to that. I'm not going to say that again. I'm, not, I'm going to try not to think about that again. I need to change my habits. For all those times, All of our failures do nothing to change the fact that God has revealed to us and given to us righteousness, peace, from first to last. Therefore, my failures and your failures do nothing to change the fact that we have been given the very thing that we're going to work so hard in our lives to achieve, peace and righteousness. God is saying, I'm revealing it to you, I'm giving it to you through faith. Through faith. Now here's the challenge. If Hebrews 11.1 is to believe, be believed that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of that which is unseen, or the conviction of that which is unseen, the challenge is how in the world do I live with that kind of faith that I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, that God has given me righteousness, and that, that my work, and my things that I do, which can be good, the things that I do are a response to God's work in me. How do I do that? I'd like to suggest a couple of things for us. As we think about faith, because Paul kind of ends verse 17, he says, the righteous will live by faith. So how do you and, I, and how do I live by this faith to say, God, I'm going to trust you that at the end of my days, I'm going to be known as a faith person, not a works person. How do I do that? Number one, I want to say this. That faith, when you think about how does this actually work, how does this work to take faith and compare it to my works? Faith is, is always going to, and I hesitate to use always, but I'm, I'm going to in this case because I think it's true. Faith is always going to step into fears, and works-based life is always going to step away from fears. If you want to think about in your life the times when you're making decisions about what should, I, what should I do next, boy, it seems pretty overwhelming to have that conversation with my spouse. I mean, we haven't talked for 10 years about the thing that is the elephant in the room, and I don't think I can do that. And How do you even lead into a conversation like that? It's too scary. I mean, my, my, I've gone from job to job to job to job, and and I don't know that I can ever kind of be stable, and I feel like, man, God's not pleased with me, and, but yeah, I, I want some confidence, and I, I just need to know what to do next, and boy, maybe I shouldn't take that opportunity, because if that works, if that doesn't work, then it's another thing, and maybe I'll just kind of step back. And, boy, maybe, maybe God, um, you know, maybe you really want me. Maybe you really want me. 
to step in, to leave my work, to leave this place, and to step in in service and obedience to you on the mission field somewhere. Maybe, maybe you really want me to be the one to, meet, to mediate the conflict in my family that we all know is going on, and no one has said anything about it. And maybe you really want me to do that. And, but it just, seems so, it just seems so kind of hard, you know? So faith and works. Works will look at your, your situation and say, um, I think I can manage that, and therefore I'm going to do that. If, a, if, an, if a, uh, a job or a situation in your life is going to require, let's say, an effort of 10, it's going to take you an effort of 10 to go to that school, to, to leave your job, to do something else, or an effort to tend to move or to, to have the mediating conversation you need to have. And you look at your resources and you're like, man, but my dad didn't raise me like that, therefore I can't talk like that and I don't have that ability. So I, I really have, in this job that requires a 10, I've got about a 4, so I'm not going to do it. Or I've got, I've got like an 8 and it's close, but it's, I need a 10 and I don't have that, so I'm not going to. And what faith does is say, okay, I've got, I've got a 4 out of 10, but God's got the rest. I've just got a four. But I believe, because Hebrews 11.1 1 tells me faith is the confidence of things that I hope for, the certainty, the assurance of things unseen. I believe. I believe God wants me to do this. I believe God wants me to be this kind of husband. I believe God wants me to be this kind of wife, this kind of dad, this kind of mom, this kind of single person who lives intentionally and thinks about their service to the world. God wants me to be this kind of child who obeys their parents even when I don't think they know anything about the world that I obey and respond because I listen and obey, because I believe God wants me to do this. I believe I should have a vision for my, my family, my neighborhood, and the people around me. Why? Because God wants me to. I believe that. I don't know how to do it. I'm scared as all get out, but I believe it. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it. And faith, your life of faith, or my life of faith, or your lack of faith, or my lack of faith, is going to be determined on whether I'm going to step into those moments of fear or step away. And when I step away, basically what I'm saying is, God, I've got, I got a four out of ten. That's going to require six more, and I don't have it. You're going to just kind of maybe bring Moses in. Because I, I can't do it. The cumulative effect of that over your lifetime is going to be, by the time it comes to you getting rolled down this aisle and someone reflecting on your life, great life, good person, moral, strong. Let's pray. Or the choice to step into the fear and say, God, I'm going to trust you. The difference in a lifetime is incredible. And this is why we say one of our core values at GPC, we talk about this way, that we want to be people who do this, who live fearlessly, who forgive generously, and speak openly. We want to be people like that. Why? Not because we want to be great, but because we want to make much of our God. We want to make much of our king. We want to make much of our savior and make us smaller because the more the people know about my God, the more they've seen my faith. The more they see my works and my ability to do certain things, they're just getting a better picture of me. And here's what Paul is saying to you, and he's saying to me, God has revealed to you this righteousness that you want, this peace that you want, this calm that you want, this avoidance of awkward moments that you want has come. It's been revealed 
The righteousness of the gospel is here. It's available by faith, by trust, by believing that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, fully God and fully man, has come. The power of God has come to break the bonds of sin and death in your life and free you to live fully for God. It is the power of God for salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul will say. How awkward would it be at the end of life to stand before God and say, God, I know you had the power for salvation, but the power to change my marriage, I don't think you had it. I know you have the power to bring people back from the dead, but I don't really think you had the power to help me know about my future. I don't think you really had the power to help me deal with the temptation that I've constantly been giving into. I don't think you really had the power to lead me to be the kind of man and woman that I know I need to be. How awkward would that be to stand before him and say, I wasn't sure you could do it. I wasn't sure. And how fulfilling would it be to say, God, in those moments, including a day like today, when something in my life was raised to the surface again, where I know that I need to do something, I need to step into something that I haven't been stepping into, God, I finally did it. I finally took that step of faith and said, I'm going to do this thing. Not because of me, because I believe in you. Because your power is strong enough to get me through this and to change me and move me in this process. At the end of life, I would love for all of us, just like Paul introduces the Romans, your faith is known throughout the world. I would love it for you and for me. When you roll down this aisle, people can reflect on your life and mine and say, that was a man and a woman of faith. They made much of God's power. They knew their limitations, but they did not live in fear. They trusted in their God. He was enough for them. Imagine what that would be like. The righteousness of God has been revealed to you and to me. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Let's pray together. Our good God and our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to encounter your word. We're grateful to experience the truth of your message and your power within these pages of Scripture that we have the privilege to open like it's nothing, as if it's due to us to be able to hold your word, your revealed word in our hands and and look at it. We don't take that for granted, Father. We're so grateful for this revelation to us, for this truth that comes from God to us, that we can see how to live and how to be saved from the power of sin and death. So this morning, Father, there may be some sitting here who have really never made that decision, who've just kind of been leaning into morality and goodness and hoping that they could volunteer enough to get saved and hoping, kind of hoping that they could just do enough and be nice enough and smile enough and not curse 
too many times that maybe you would like them at the end of, a, at the end of their lifetime. And this morning, maybe for the first time they're understanding salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Jesus alone. There's nothing more that I can add to that. From first to last, righteousness is revealed by God. And I can contribute nothing to his favor in my life, to your favor in my life. So, Father, for those who are in that category this morning, I just pray that you'd give them that courage to take that next step, and that is a conversation with someone that brought them or someone that they've been friends with here or a conversation with myself or Pastor Joel to take that next step to say, this is what I need to do. For others this morning, Father, I believe that you might be moving to say, man, there are men, there are women, there are, there are children, there's young adults who, who just need to take that next step of faith and just are afraid to do it to move into an area of their life, to have a conversation, to fix a relationship, to, to step into their future in a way that they just were never sure of before. And there's great uncertainty, yes, but they have a great God. I pray that you would give us great confidence in you. Help us, like Hebrews says, that our faith will be the, the confidence of things that we hope for and the assurance of things unseen. Give us that courage to step into those things that we need to, Father. Lord, we are grateful, we are so grateful that you really are enough for us, that you really are more than what we need, that your resources are greater than what we can ever need even on this earth, and you've given them to us, that as this final song will say, that all of you, all of you is more than enough for all of me. Every thirst, every need, you satisfy me with your love. All I have in you is more than enough. Father, may that be true for us. That we lean into you, believing that you are enough. We don't need to add. We just need to lean and trust in you. Give us that courage and that faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.